Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Happy birthday to you. All right, sing it, boy. It's Wes and Walker. Oh, I like that. Okay. Do that again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Happy birthday to you. Is that all right? Mm, Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Me and Stevie. Like this. Folks, on a football Friday, your boy is back in the building, Wes Bryant. This is the Wes and Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Keep the text coming on the Charlotte Men's Clinic text line 704-570-9610. Hit those socials, the highlights from today, from the return, from everything. will be up on WFNZ's Twitter and Instagram. Also, hit up HTB underscore Josh at West Bryant underscore 72 at Walker Mail. And most importantly, at Wes and Walker on Twitter or X. And Instagram. And now it's time to go to the campus. Kona. All right. Excuse me. You know, like Walker said, got to get some stuff in from when I was out. And while I was gone, I did see that Drake May decided to take his talents to the NFL. Will not be playing in the Mayo Bowl here in the Queen City like we thought that he would for a while. And so it just got me to thinking. I said, you know, This is it for him and Chapel Hill as a quarterback. What is his legacy? What do the fans think about Drake May as he exits? Because he was the 2022 ACC Player of the Year, ACC Offensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, and Offensive Rookie of the Year in 2022. Came into this season the preseason Player of the Year. Immense expectations for him. 3,600 passing yards, 24 touchdowns, rushed for another nine with 449 yards led the ACC in passing yards this season, and finished his career with 8,018 yards, number five on UNC's all-time passing list, 63 touchdowns in three seasons, 17-9 and nine as a starter, fourth in UNC history in passing touchdowns. As I said, with those 63, he's 21st in ACC history in passing touchdowns. He's got 200 yards in 26 career starts, over 200 yards, second most 200-yard passing games in Tar Heel history. And so he's fourth in Tar Heel history also with uh, total yards as well. And so, Fiddy, I think you'd be a great source to speak with on this to start the conversation. What do you feel like Drake May's legacy is as he exits Chapel Hill? Now, how do you view him in the realm of UNC football history? I think it's really complicated, Wes, because on the surface, he's the most talented, the most gifted quarterback to ever play the position at the University of North Carolina. And yet, you you literally have nothing of substance to show for it. He was 0-2 against NC State. Um, you had that 9-1 start that ended in a 9-5 season. Marquise Williams guided this team to an 11-1 regular season. Was more competitive against a playoff-bound Clemson team in the ACC title game than Drake was in a non-playoff-bound Clemson team in the ACC title game. So I, I, I think it's really tough. Um, I, I think it's the curse of Tar Heel football yeah. because this program gets NFL talent, you know, and then it gets really great players maybe once a decade or so. 
and they have nothing to show for it. Like you're talking about a program that has Julius Peppers to its ledger, couldn't win a conference championship. A program that has Drake May to its ledger, couldn't win a conference championship. So um, I'm thankful for everything that he's done. He's a great Tar Heel, a great ambassador for the program. But the reality is, is they didn't win very much with them, and he's one of the more wasted talents we've ever seen in the history of the ACC. Man, Fiddy, and that's why I like you as a Carolina fan a decent amount of the time. You have your times <laughs> where you get a little bit off the chain. But that was a very spectacular take from you, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. I felt the same way, and that's why that question popped up in my mind because I was like, man, you know, this guy could be the number one or number two pick, and – physically talented as all get out. But it's like at the end of the day, when we look back in the realm of ACC history, this was a guy that kind of underperformed in some respects. He had some fantastic numbers. That that first season was great. But then coming into the season with all of the expectations, Heisman Trophy ceremony, and I know he had Omarion Hampton emerge and become a great player in that backfield and take a little bit of the load off. But still in his biggest moment, down the stretch of this season, especially against Clemson with the career low and completion percentage, quarterback rating, then against NC State coming in and laying a dud like he did there. That's got to be disappointing for him to never have beaten NC State uh, on his resume. So when you talk about the wins and the impact that he had on the program, I just don't see it there. But as far as physical talent and what he brought to the table, there's no question he's the best quarterback to be at the University of North Carolina, but I think that, as Fiddy said, he's got a very complicated legacy in Chapel Hill. I don't think anybody's going to look at Drake May and the lack of accomplishments with this team and think it's his fault, though. I think most people are going to say that it was the fact that they couldn't get an offensive line to block for him consistently. I think that they're going to look at the fact that the defense was awful the year prior. The first half of this season, they were okay. And then the last half of this season, they were absolutely atrocious, allowing 31 points and then 39 to Clemson and NC State. And Drake made the biggest problem for him is he had bad interceptions. And he deserves criticism for that. There were bad interceptions at the early part of this part, uh, portion of this season. Only one in the middle portion. And then at the end, every single game, he had... INT, INT, two against NC State. But if you think about the other QBs that have ever played in a Tar Heel uniform, both of you can shed some light on this. Who had a better two years? Sam Howe? Do you want to go with Durant? I do want to go with, I don't know, who you would say had a better two years at QB playing for North Carolina than what Drake May did. And there were so many other problems until you got weapons around it. Well, you had weapons last year, and then it was like, oh, can he do it again? And then you do have Tez Walker come back. They actually have a running game. So there's two different styles, two different offensive coordinators. Omarion Hampton, he was second in all of FBS in rushing yards. That's going to take a lot of what you do via – touchdown passes your own rushing touchdowns and also just your overall stats because Amarion is also getting a ton of yards out here as well I just can't look in North Carolina lore and think hmm Drake May has to take a back seat to that QB the legacy while they absolutely wasted what they had at that QB his legacy is still the best QB to ever put on a Carolina well, uniform I was gonna say Fiddy before you go He's got to take, my only pushback is he's got to take some of the blame for what happened because 
of the way the offense would look when things were going well. We talked about last year, my big thing with him was how they faltered down the stretch in that month to where he did not win a football game, including the bowl game. And I can't just put that on everybody else. He's got to bear some of that brunt, too, because when things are going great, he's throwing touchdowns, he's all over the field, he's uber-dominant. But then when he goes against some of the better defenses that were there, he's got to take some culpability and not in coming up short in some of those big moments, like the Clemson game this season. This Carolina offense was a well-oiled machine. Clemson put together a game plan, and it didn't look quite the same when he was playing against those NFL athletes on that Clemson defense and against a, a, a coaching staff that schemed him up just right. So that's my own thing. I got to give them a little bit of the pushback for the troubles that they have. I can't put it all on the offensive line and, and what maybe wasn't there because I felt like he had plenty to be able to do things. I felt like he he did come up small in some of the bigger moments in his career. That was what I was going to push back on was that what what big game did he did he win during his time? Like you look at Sam Howell's sophomore season, you you go to the road win at Miami that secured a New Year's Six uh, bowl game berth for the program. They beat NC State in a ranked versus ranked matchup at the time early in the year. Granted, it was COVID. He so smashed my Demon Deeks with the seven touchdowns. Right. Wake was pretty good. You know, I mean, he, <laughs> so you're saying you're saying Sam Howe is the better QB in North Carolina? Well, no, I didn't say that. You're asking who for a better two years. Like in big yeah. moments and big games, Sam Howell showed up bigger than Drake did because I mentioned he got the Miami win. He beat a top 10 undefeated Wake Forest team at home. Like Drake... Drake doesn't have that. He doesn't have that standout win. You had the win at, against Miami this year to get you to six and zero, but you finished eight and four, and that Miami team finished seven and five. So that's the, even that win didn't age very well. Drake's the best quarterback to ever play at Carolina, but the the reality is is that when the light shone uh, shine the brightest, his his level of play and the team's level of play wasn't where you wanted or needed it to be. And the only thing I say, Walker, too, I, I feel like you're doing a little bit of the the quarterback gets all of the, the praise when they play well, but then when they lose, you know, not enough of the blame, I feel like, from you there. You're saying... You're saying like, I feel here, like I'm, you give him a ton of credit when they win and when they play great, but when they lose, you don't really give him a lot of blame. Well... I, the interceptions are bad from Drake May, mm-hmm. but what I'm asking for is when we talk about the actual legacy of Drake May, I don't know if I've ever seen a better QB than I've seen with Drake May there, and that includes Sam Howell, who Sam Howell's best record was what, 8-4? and four? I do agree, though, with Fitty, man. That year they went 11-1. and one. Marquise Williams was off the chain, and I don't think he gets enough credit for just how productive he was That's North fair. Carolina. That's fair. One season. But that's that's no, totally. Yeah, more than one. What I'm saying, you said 11 and one. Right? Oh yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Sure. So so you're talking about one season, and Drake May goes nine and five, eight and four, eight and four is the best season that Sam Howell ever put up. And so while there might be some big games against Miami, we can go to just earlier in the year that Drake May also had a win against a ranked Miami team to go to six and zero. Oh. You have the two wins against Duke where this is the thing, too. Like, Drake May has been really clutch throwing the football and winning some of those games that we might not have as, oh, there's a lot on the line here. But he did win a lot of close games at the beginning to continue to put them in position to fall, I guess, at the end of the season because that certainly happened. They had a lot of collapses. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's what I, with Drake May, yeah, like the interceptions are bad. There were some really bad interceptions. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing I think holding him back is early on in the year, I don't know who he's throwing to. It feels like he's trying to play hero ball. And it felt like when things got tough, Wes, mm-hmm. it felt like he was trying to play hero ball and force the football where he shouldn't. And that was his part, I think, in 
contributing to a downfall such as they had the last couple seasons. Because the thing I will say again, to Fiddy's credit, man, you look at Queese that that 2015 season, the numbers were awfully similar to Drake Mays. He goes 3,068 yards, 24 touchdowns, but then he also tacked on another 948 and 13 rushing, and then the year before that, he's 788 with 13 touchdowns. 3,000, over 3,000 yards with 21 uh, passing scores that year, too. Um, so, I don't know, man. I mean, if you you're talking Keese? about strictly college career. You think Keese is better Marquise's than Drake? two seasons that he had, 2014 and 2015, I mean, you got to put up there with, with, with a lot of guys. That's all I'm saying. You got to put up there with a lot of guys. And when you look at the passing numbers, because that's the thing I'm looking at, because May, he's definitely athletic and runs. But just comparing it as a passer, that 2015 and 2014 are very comparable to what he did uh, this season. So would you put Marquise ahead of Drake? Because I, I think Drake is the best I've ever seen in North Carolina. And I don't think there's physically enough. Physically talent. Physical talent, no. But as far as the production and the impact that he had, because when they did play against Clemson in that ACC championship, that thing came down to an onside kick, and they battled. I mean, he got owned by Clemson in the ACC championship game. Well, and Marquise, too. Like, if you look at Marquise Williams, you look at him throwing for, coincidentally, the exact same amount of yardage in 2014 and 2015. Mm -hmm. And Drake May, at least throwing the football, you know, you're talking about, I mean, just obliterating that mark. That 2022 year was crazy. And then even 500 more yards the, the last season. Yeah. And 24-10, 21-9, those are a little bit more similar. But 2022, 38-7. That's what, like, for me, I think Drake May is the best QB I've ever seen in a North Carolina uniform. And I think that he certainly isn't at fault. It, I'm, I'm not saying not at fault for some of the problems that they had. But I don't know if there's another QB that's ever played for North Carolina that had done so much more than what Drake did that I have to put him above everything that I saw with my own eyes and some of the stats that he put for a two-year stretch that, oh, okay, this QB has a case. For me, it's Drake May number one, and it's going to take a, st a special talent and a special year to take him down. All right, so that was another great debate right there. We'll let you guys on the text line. Who did you think had the better career? Look at the numbers. I know Drake May is going to be a number two pick and all that. Physical talent, he's all that. Now, let's move on. Uh, SEC <sighs> schedule came out and talking about our local SEC team, the South Carolina Gamecocks. Aside from their three non-Power 5 games against Old Dominion, Akron, and Wofford, the combined record of South Carolina's eight other 2024 opponents is 69%. And if you take out Vanderbilt, it jumps to over 75 Now, they don't face Georgia, Florida, or Tennessee, but their schedule is off the chain. They have a three-game gauntlet versus Ole Miss at home, at Alabama, at Oklahoma. And when you also look at this schedule, too, you know, the beginning, they have Old Dominion, Kentucky, LSU, and Akron, then Ole Miss, Alabama, Oklahoma, then Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, Missouri, Wofford, and Clemson. Did the SEC schedule makers absolutely doom South Carolina season before it starts? Yeah, it's going to be really tough. And, man, there was another, too. Like, I was looking at some of the schedules that we're going to be set up for. So, here we have South Carolina, as you mentioned. I, I did want to talk about even NC State's schedule with Grayson McCall coming back because we mentioned it yesterday. NC State looks like they have a lot of cupcakes on their schedule. And, like, that NC State could be set up very well to make They're a run at the ACC. Some of those portal yes, they do. They made yes, yes, they do. And so it feels like a couple of teams here as we start to dissect what is to come next college football season for these local programs. Yeah, it's the exact opposite. SEC, South Carolina, getting done dirty. That's just how life is sometimes in the SEC. But NC State, now with the QB that you trust a lot, 
with an OC, very similar to what they did last year, trying to pair up a QB and OC with Brennan Armstrong and Robert and I, it feels like they actually get something favorable coming up next year. Yeah, and so, too, that's going to help them. South Carolina is recruiting, picking up some transfers, giving a little transfer portal update. They got a big pickup getting Rocket Sanders, the running back from Arkansas, is going to be making his way to South Carolina, 6'2", 242 pounds. And uh, a couple of seasons ago in 2022, he had 1,400 yards rushing with 10 touchdowns, 28 catches for 271 yards and two scores. So South Carolina's also been hitting the portal as well. But, yeah, that is one tough schedule. And when you look at the SEC and all of the teams in there, it's going to be some fantastic games that we're going to be getting uh, as fans. It should be really good. But when we come back on the Wesson Walker Show, hopefully we can keep all the furniture intact because it's time for the top 10 players of this football game on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I got Brock Purdy number one. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Shout to Colin, really just as always, doing all the Renaissance stuff around here, helping out behind the scenes, yeah. coming back into the studio. But Colin brought up a wrestling conversation. I don't want to give the goods away, but we might have an interesting wrestling guest join us That's right. sometime down the road. And it's a big name, a name that Wes can vouch for. I knew. That's how, that's how big the wrestling name is that we could have on the show. So we're really excited about that. But then that brought up the story of you meeting Bailey in Boston. Yes. Uh-huh. Right? I have that correct? Okay. Uh-huh. So we are walking to the bus, the shuttle to bring us to the Army-Navy game. Uh-huh. And then Bailey is walking right by us. For those that don't know, she is a WWE star. Oh, yeah. She's one of the, okay. the big dogs when it comes to the women. Okay. So you saw her walk by. Uh-huh. You said... Bailey? Yeah. (laughs) Is that who I think it is? Yeah. And so she was real cool, hanging out, like talking for a little bit. Wes, very excited getting to see, you know, Bailey there. I had no clue who it was, clearly, Uh right, as you might suggest or you might have guessed in that scenario. And then so, you know, you're talking to Bailey. You say, hey, Walker, come here and, you know, can you take a picture? Sure, whatever. And then so (laughs) you talk to her a little bit, but I'm talking about, like, you take the picture, talk to her a little bit about how much of a fan you are, real cool stuff. And then you say, hey, this is Walker. This is my co-host. Yeah. Second thing out of your mouth, it's first, hey, this is Walker, my co-host. The second thing is, but he talks trash about wrestling. He he hates (laughs) on wrestling all the time. I can't even get a handshake. I'm extending out for the handshake. We can't even shake hands before he immediately blows up my spot and says, nah, but he hates wrestling, though. He he talks all the trash. And then I'm like, wait, I don't. 
I don't talk trash about it. I don't hate wrestling. What? I'm shook a tiny bit. Yeah. And then she says, handling it real cool. Ah, uh, that's okay. At least you talk about it. I was like, thank you for letting me off. Yeah, you know I have fun uh, throwing you guys under the bus. Where Immediately. So that, was, that was pretty fun. The first thing you said to Fiddy when we learned about possibly having a wrestling guest come on. Yeah. The second thing you said, oh, oh yeah, you get excited, you start doing your, yeah, you like you, you get amped, yeah, and then you look at Fiddy and said, oh, I hope he comes in here and I'm going to tell him all about the dress you're talking about wrestling. <laughs> yeah, because this guy, this guy would be great because you know just the the, the I, you know we can't give it away, but the size mm -hmm. difference and what mm -hmm. this guy was known for, I would just love to see that standoff and for Fiddy to keep that same energy. And, you know, for this guy to just take Fiddy and just <laughs> suplex him through the, the broadcast table. I mean, we could we could stand up and do the broadcast if he breaks, you know, our, our furniture in here. But, no, that that was cool because just walking by and I just happened to look up and I saw Bailey walk by. And I was like, whoa. I was like, I know. Because, mm -hmm. you know, you, it takes that, that two to three seconds in your mind. And I was like, was that Bailey? And then I was like, Bailey. Yeah, and then yeah, she yeah, turned yeah. around. I was like, oh. So it was cool because I'm definitely a, a big fan of Bailey. And she's a 49ers fan as well. So she probably would have argued That's about true. I forgot about that. as much as I did. She probably but would have. Yes, we uh, bonded on that as well. But that was a cool moment on a cool trip. Um, Fiddy, what would you be? This, is, this has happened a few times now where somebody <laughs> rolls into the studio and Wes wants to blow your cover immediately, whether it be. Well, it, it wasn't Wes's fault, to be fair to Wes. Steve Smith heard you on the air when you yeah. talked about six yard out routes, spinning the ball. You weren't a big fan of it. But then he blew up your spot on R Truth rolling in, who was still, I mean, what? If it's top two interview, I don't know if it's two. Uh -huh. And you know, he said that you talk trash about wrestling, but our truth was even cool with it. Do you get tired of it, Fitty? No, because I mean, I'm not going to walk back my comments. Like I said, what I said about Steve mm -hmm. Smith, and I Pound said that chest. Right. You know, I was like, look, I don't like you celebrating a six yard out route, and it's not. Look, I when it comes to wrestlers, I respect great acting. And so if they act really great, I'm not going to sit here and yeah. crap on them like we all got what, what what's one of the, the the one of Wes's go-to sayings we all got a job to do. Yeah. That's their job is to act and put on a show and there are some that do a better job than others and entertain some people. It's just not my thing. Like when I was 6 years old, I was into the wrestling world. Oh, I didn't know that. You said oh, yeah, right. you've never history. said this. Yeah, okay. no, I mean when I was younger because like my family they like you know whenever we're getting together for gatherings or whatever like if they got a big event on Saturday they're leaving at eight o'clock. That's just you know once I realize that it's fake and it's acting, it's just not my thing, man. I like I like real. Yeah, I'd like for um, <laughs> somebody like Brock Lesnar to put you on an F five through a table and then you could tell me how fake it feels on your back when your back is throbbing. And and to me, this is a legit difference. To me, that's a real. You like real? Uh, that was yeah. a hilarious <laughs> sentence to me. I like real. I like real. <laughs> what What's funny to me is I actually think Wes has a point because yes, it's acting, but also what is very real is that chair hitting your back a little too hard every now and then. Yeah, yeah. Like you. Yeah. Falling off the mat 
onto the floor yeah. like that. A trick going wrong and you, you know, blow up your shoulder, your knee or something like that. Look, uh, a move going wrong. I mean, if you if you if you want to bring Brock Lesnar in and put me in an F5 to correct my back, that's fine because it's hurting from carrying the show all week long. Oh, man. Yeah, that'd be good. I, I just would have him just give you an F5 anyway just because and then see how you feel so violent, after. man. You probably still be laying here tomorrow. I'll show you during the break what an F5 looks like. You probably still be laying here until Monday. No, we'll get to top 10, but you telling Fiddy, hey, I'll show you what an F5 is like. I was an idiot one time. I didn't wrestle. I played basketball. Clearly, one time? Right? So, yeah, I looked like it one time. Never again. That was the only time, Fiddy. Um, but I asked, I was like, yeah, you know, I, yeah, sure. One of my wrestler friends, he was like, yeah, you know, we can wrestle a little bit. You want to hit the mat? <laughs> I knew I was going to get got. Like, uh-huh. I, I knew I wasn't about to win because this guy was pretty good, too. Not winning state titles, but getting, like, top five in his mm-hmm. weight class, stuff like that. A real good friend of mine. And I don't know if y'all know what the cow chain is. No, I've never heard of that. That sounds like some historic Lancaster type of... <laughs> I got put into it. Put you in the cow chain. Let me tell you, I... Like, I wasn't going 100%. Neither was he. He was going at a less percent. This is not to get it twisted, pounded my chest by any means. Yeah. But we were, like, I don't know what the equivalent of it is, sparring, whatever. And when I tell you in 20 seconds, with, like, some resistance, mind you, he got me in a cow chain immediately what a cow chain is is he somehow managed to grab my right arm and my left arm and i'm fighting a little bit yeah like it's not me just letting him do whatever yeah grabs my right arm my left arm connects them between my legs okay i'm gonna do a visual for the people here in the studio so right arm left arm grabs it between my legs okay so then i'm like this and then he picks me up so i'm in the air and he picks me up to where my own hands are squeezing my crotch against my body, and I am dying. Like, I'm picked up like this, and it's like my feet are swinging. Like, I look helpless because I am. And he holds me there for a few seconds, and I'm like, his name was Joe. Joe, let me down, Joe. Joe, okay, man. Joe, let me down. It hurts too bad. Come on now. You need to stop. And he's sitting there laughing. People around him are laughing. And I'm sitting there swinging my six-foot-five legs back and forth, looking like, a big old jerk, a big old pansy. He finally puts me down, and my crotch hurt for the rest of the day. That was an awesome story. Looking back on it, that's one sport I wish I probably, I wish I would have tried was maybe to be a wrestler. Yeah, heavyweights are no joke though. Like, yeah, it, it, yeah. And it, that's not clearly you would have been good at it, having been the athlete and the size you were. But the biggest freaks in high school were the guys that can make a deep tourney run in wrestling. In the heavyweight division. Because you can't do anything with those guys. Like, if you are... I mean, you can destroy me as a... I don't know, in high school, 120-pound wrestler who was a state champion. Okay, I got 100 pounds on you. And I know I'm still about to get some amount of work. But weight matters so much, as you know. Like, if you weigh 100 pounds more than somebody. strength. Yeah, that matters a ton. And skill, too. When you got a skilled heavyweight. Yeah, it's no joke. But when you are a heavyweight and you got all the skill... And you're making these deep runs in state tournaments where you actually might win the whole thing, and then you got an undefeated right. You can't do anything with those guys. Sorry. I mean, what? yes, sir. Whatever you want. I don't want a cow chain. Yeah. There used to be a thing people would get put in called the banana split. I don't even want to describe what that is. <laughs> that just sounds painful. It is. From what I've heard. From what I've heard, it is. I'm shaking a little bit. I've got some, <laughs> got some PTSD. Should we do this thing? Let's do it. All right. Top 10 players. Panthers, Falcons. You and I both talking in the fishbowl. This one was really tough, but for different reasons this game. 
I, I don't think we're going to have any QB drama with Desmond Ritter and Bryce Young in this game. Maybe we do, but I don't think so. We are going to have some drama, though, because I feel like there are a lot of really good players. No superstars. I mean, maybe some superstars the way they're playing this year. Jesse mm-hmm. Bates is having an amazing season. We can get to some of that. But it felt like, Wes, there were a lot of really good players in a very similar category, and it was hard for me to distinguish. Like, I had a top 15 trying to figure out who to get in the top 10. It, it was a little difficult. All right, so do you want to lead us off? I will. Uh, okay. Starting out with 10, 9, 8, I went uh, Bijan at 10. Uh, as I said, 396 yards from scrimmage in his last four games, four touchdowns as well. Number nine, A.J. Terrell, uh, 57.1% cash catch rate. Uh, he's only had five penalties on the season and only given up three touchdowns. And then I went Frankie Louvu at number eight. Uh, he's number 19 at run stuffs. He's got the number one pass rush grade among uh, linebackers. And uh, 13 pressures to boot. Okay, so you got Bajan in there. And look, I, I will actually take whatever smoke you got for me. I don't have him in the top 10, but I wanted to. Okay. I wanted to because I do think he is. A, and it's the same with Kyle Pitts. You know I love Kyle Pitts. Yeah. I want to free Kyle. It doesn't have anything, in my opinion, to do with him as the player. Same thing with Bajan. If Algier, who's also really good, wasn't on this squad... And you just got more production from Bajan. I probably put him in, and maybe I deserve to anyway, but that one was like maybe 11 or 12. There were a couple here. I got A.J. Terrell at number 10. You had him at number 9. I have him at number 10. Plus, you think about this division, maybe not for Carolina, but when you're going up against the Saints, you got number one receivers like Chris Olave. You got some skill guys all over the place. Same thing with Tampa. You got some tough covers in this division. I think AJ Terrell deserves a spot in the top 10. You do too. He comes in at number 10 for me. This is where Wes is going to get mad at me. Guess who's number nine? Who was that? Guess. You can get, I'll give you one guess and you're going to get it right. Taylor Moat. Nah, I guess you weren't going to get it right, but that's a good <laughs> guess either by you. Adam Thielen comes in at number nine. Oh my God. <laughs> Let's keep going. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Al's here. Um, I have Drake London, number eight. Okay. AJ Terrell, number 10. Adam Thielen, number nine. Drake London, number eight. All right. That's my top, uh, my last three in the top 10. Well, my seven is uh, JC Horn. He's allowed eight receptions in three games, only 86 yards. He's got a couple of pass breakups. My number six, Xavier Woods. He's ninth in PFF coverage grade among safeties, 20th in run stop grade, very respectable. Allowed 11 catches for 83 yards and a 54.9 passer rating when passing towards this man. And number five, the guy that you continually diss every week, Adam Thielen, number seven in total route wins, number nine in the NFL in catches. He is 23rd in yards, but still, he is the Panthers' only weapon, and teams know this, and they still can't stop him. Okay, Adam Thielen coming in at number five for you. Number Number nine for me. We're sticking with the theme as we've done all year long. All right, I'm going to go number seven. I've got Xavier Woods here. Been balling out the last couple of games. Okay. Is now a top 10 safety, according to Pro Football Focus, and we can just even tell. This is a team that, outside of Mike Minner, hasn't had really good safety play consistently. And you can't even say that about Xavier because it's a one-year thing right now for what he's doing. Kurt Coleman, we talked about him yesterday. I would argue he was a very good safety during that Super Bowl run. But it hasn't been prolonged. Like, Xavier Woods is propelling himself into the conversation here, uh, Wes, where Mm -hmm. we're like, should you take care of him long-term? I need to look at his contract. But Xavier Woods could be a building block going forward as well. Look, I I think we've gotten to the point now at number six. I've got Brian Burns. I still think Brian Burns is a really good player. 
I know that there's a legitimate question out there on whether he should make $30 million. That's real. If you want to trade him to go get a first-round pick, maybe something else after that, then I understand trading him in order to help this offense because it's been so bad this year. But even going back on Second Take Tuesday, Wes, I was looking a little bit more at the film against the Saints. There are some plays where he is making Derek Carr uncomfortable, rushing on the outside, forcing Derek Carr to step up, and Frankie Louvu's there or Derek Brown's there. I, I We've talked about do you feel him as a QB? Like, do you have to account for where he is? Mm-hmm. I know he's not getting home a lot. I get that. But you talk about pass rush win rate. He is top five still in that in that stat. And I felt going back and watching, he still is getting in the backfield and he's dealing with an ankle injury right now. I got Brian Burns number six, Kayla McGarry coming in at number five as a right tackle that's one of the better right tackles in the league. His pass blocking specifically has been very good this season. All right. So if we go uh four, three, two. I've got Drake London at four. Okay. Uh, in this football game. All and right. part of my thinking about it is you know, Atlanta's 25th in pass attempts and Carolina's sixth because when I was comparing London and Thielen, and I'm like, well, Carolina throws the ball a lot more, even though it's not for a lot more yardage. <laughs> right. But Atlanta's 25th in pass attempts per game, they're top 10 in rushing attempts. So I feel like in an offense to where he's able to get more targets, he's still got 56 catches for 745 yards and two touchdowns. And real quick on Bijan as well, you know, for the both of us, but you look at the young man, he's still got 790 um, rushing yards and he's got 320 receiving yards. So he's over 1,000 yeah, total. B- Bijan was like, I didn't know what to do with him. He should you're, get you're the not, ball even more. You're, you're not going to hear yeah. any frustration with ranking about him. Like, I had no clue what to do with him because yeah. he's clearly crazy special. Yeah. I just, it, Arthur Smith frustrates me. And then number three, uh, went with Big Derek Brown. He's having a fantastic game. He had 10 tackles, five solo in his last game interception a pass defense a QB hit he's got a single season high 74 tackles he's got 12 quarterback hits those are both career highs and he's number one in defensive tackle run stop win rate this was a guy early in the season I wasn't as high on but he's really come on strong and he's been playing Pro Bowl caliber football and then Jesse Bates number two out of Wake Forest got to throw that in there as well Second in coverage grade, according to PFF. Third in run defense grade, so he's an all-around safety. He's got five interceptions, and he's only allowed 17 receptions total for the season. Yeah, Jesse Bates has been great. You'll hear his name in just a moment for me. Number four on Walker Mail's top ten list. I have Jake Matthews at left tackle. I think the reason I put Jake Matthews here is because, yeah, you're playing left tackle. I guess just inherently we start to go with that being a more important position. I do give credit to the guys that have been playing very well for a long time. You're talking about one of the better tackles in the NFL. Not top five, but one of the better tackles in the NFL for a long time, especially when it comes to pass blocking. That's why you put your left tackle there. It's to protect the passer from getting destroyed where he can't see somebody coming right after him. And Jake Matthews is one of the better pass protectors um, among all the tackles graded in the NFL. So Jake Matthews comes in at number four. I have Chris Lindstrom, number three, the number one guard in all of the NFL. Uh, you look at what he's able to do for this team. I'm still trying to pull up some of the stats on him, but I think Chris Lindstrom, number one guard, you're looking at pass blocking, but run blocking. He just moves dudes out of the way. And that was one I remember with Lindstrom and McGarry when they were drafted, people questioned it. People felt both guys went too high. Falcons absolutely killed that draft with getting both of those guys in the same class. And so Lindstrom has been amazing. I've got Derek Brown. Number two, I think with Derek Brown, Honestly, I kind of went with the head-to-head. I was the college football playoff committee. 
and I went yeah. back to the first week of the NFL season. It's a long time ago. It's not right now, even though Derek Brown's playing the best football, I believe, of his career during this five-game stretch. But he threw Chris Lindstrom around, man. Like, you talk about that pass rush. He had an 80 grade there. He was getting after the quarterback despite them not throwing it too many times. We got to see Derek Brown get in the backfield pretty frequently for a defensive tackle. And then Lindstrom right after that started to bounce back. It's actually, I believe, one of his worst graded games. But Chris Lindstrom, number three, Derek Brown, number two. And we each have a number one reveal. Why don't you lead us off? Well, my number one guy is Chris Lindstrom from Atlanta. He's the only guy in this game rated number one uh, by PFF, regardless of position in this contest. But also, too, he's only allowed three sacks, two hits, seven hurries, and he's got a 98.4 pass block efficiency grade. So this guy is very dominant at his position. And I know a lot of you guys are wondering, like I said, with Brian Burns, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, but from my point of view, yes, he is number four in pass rush win rate. And I know that he can open up things for others. But still, at the end of the day, two sacks in the last seven games, that definitely played a little bit into uh, my rating here. When I see a little bit more production, I get it. You get double teamed at times. I know all of that plays into this, but you got to give me more than two sacks in seven games. All right, Chris Lindstrom, yeah, not a bad one to have number one. He's been outstanding this year. I got Jesse Bates. I, I just think Jesse Bates has transformed that defense like no other. This was not a good unit last yeah, year. Tremendous. And David Onyemata could have made this list too. I didn't put him on, but he's had a really nice season. Calais Campbell, an old vet, doesn't matter. He's going to be 40 years old, and he's going to be playing impactful football for whatever team that he's on. Could have been on this list, and I wouldn't have had a big argument with you. That's how many good players there are. With both of these teams, and really with Atlanta, QB, coaching, couple things holding them back. I think Jesse Bates, with his ability to turn over the QB, we saw it right from the rip. And he was good in Cincinnati, but he's even better here in Atlanta. I think Jesse Bates is the guy that comes in as the best player in this game with a lot to choose from. Wake Forest alum, right, giving baby. a Demon Deacon some love That's with Jesse right. Bates as the number one player. And that'll do it for the top ten players. What do you think, Fiddy? Did you like those top ten lists for both of us? Did you have any problems with either one of us? Wes had J.C. Horn number seven. Yes. Playing good ball. I left them out because of the lack of snaps, but you know me. I like me some J.C. Horn. So, Wes, are you starting to believe that J.C. Horn is a yep. shutdown, lockdown corner? All right, corner? nobody said all of that, but he is playing really good football, and I think that deserves to be recognized because it is a little bit of a mix between career accomplishments and how they're playing coming into the contest. So, J.C. Horn made my list based off the type of ball he's playing coming into this game. Kudos to you, Walker, for not putting Taylor Moten on the list this week. You know how close I was. I was so close. And he's playing well. He's playing well. I just wanted to put him in there. You can find a right tackle in the NFL. It's finding the left tackle. That's that, That's the problem. It's like right-left twix. There's not a difference. Just one's a blindside sometimes, and one's not. It's okay. We can still give Taylor his flat. He's the right Twix. He doesn't get enough love, but he should be getting some more love. That'll do it for Wes and Walker's top 10 rankings. We've been waiting all week. We had to wait a little bit longer than usual. 24 hours longer than usual. But you know what time it is. A Friday edition of Fire or Fizzle. National Underdog Day. What are the best underdog stories, fire or fizzle underdog stories. West breaks it down coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's Wesley Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Look, I, real quick, I'm sorry for the Carolina fans out there that just might have to hear this, but, you know, Flounder came in. He's decked out in the North Carolina gear. He's got an R.J. Davis shirt on. We started talking about North Carolina, past point guards, backcourt players, Marcus Page hitting the shot, and then he called Chris Jenkins a name that I can't repeat on the airwaves, but it has me rolling, and I'm a little shook right now. So I'm trying to gather it up because we got fire fizzle coming up. Man, one of my favorite college players ever was Chris. Yeah, he did a uh, one moment. He pr- he helped a lot of the Carolina haters. Scratch yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I hate your guts. Mm-hmm. That's Fiddy speaking to you via sound bites. Fire fizzle. We had to wait for a day, but good things come. I have to those returned, today. Queen City. Sports underdog stories. It's National Underdog Day. Wes is going to deem some of these stories fire or fizzle. The last time we did this, Wes. You had a lot of fizzle because you were doing Heisman candidates. I did. And you only had one fire. We'll see if that is the same thing here. Number one story on the list, Buster Douglas beats Mike Tyson. Fire Fizzle West. Walk with me, Queen City. You guys remember it back in the day. Iron Mike, the guy that didn't let anybody last pass a round or two. He was going to give you that big hook shot or uppercut or whatever it was, and you were done. You were out of there. Took that trip to Japan. You've seen the story. He talked about how he got a little complacent. He was just knocking everybody out. Guys lost to Mike Tyson as soon as they got out of the car to walk to the dream locker room. Came into the February 1990 fight as a 42-1 to favorite. But it was not to be had. You've seen the story. Buster Douglas talked about all that adversity he had been through in his life before this fight, and he came through there. He wasn't scared. He was bone crusher in the flesh back in 1990. He got the job done. He knocked out Mike Tyson, and that is straight fire a lesson to all the kids never be scared of the bully it's crazy it's it's still funny how much that rings true even people that don't pay attention to boxing even now i feel like they still know about the time buster douglas took care of mike tyson first one's fire second one is the giants defeating the undefeated patriots in the super bowl david tyree the helmet catch Crazy. Oh wait, I think that was. I think that was. No, right. that was right. Okay. Yeah. There's a couple times. Giants came into the Super Bowl 12 point underdog, undefeated Patriots. I had enjoyed watching this team all season long. The pettiness. They have been going through the cheating scandal. Randy Moss comes over and Bill Belichick says, "Okay, I'll take your cheater and raise you one. I'm gonna obliterate everybody every week. We're gonna taunt you and we're gonna do all that." The Giants came into that Super Bowl 10 and six. Nobody thought they had a chance. Tom Brady laughed when they talked about the thought of them holding them to a meager scoring amount. 
The two teams only scored a combined 10 points when the game entered the fourth quarter, but it set the stage for one of the most exciting games in sports history. Walker, you talked about it. The Giants took a 10-7 lead after Eli Manning hit David Tyree for one of the greatest catches you'll ever see. But the Patriots came back and hit my man Randy Moss, but it wasn't enough. They sent that zero blitz, and Eli found Plaxico Burris, and he scored the touchdown to give the Giants the win. What do I think about this? The Patriots, the undefeated streak, a chance to see history, all of that while I was sitting at the Buffalo Wild Wings Bar in University enjoying my food. It was straight. Fizzle, man, get the you hell out of here. I wanted to see my boy uh, Randy Moss get that championship, and I wanted to see history with an undefeated football team. Wes's first show back in a week's worth of time. He's coming after Cam, and he's saying he wishes he saw the undefeated New England Patriots Your instead of the one right, loss. My listeners. boy Moss was on that team. I wanted to see him get that ring, and I love Brady. You want the smoke today. Yeah. You want all the smoke. <laughs> Straight cash, homie. Miracle on ice. Some hockey. You're the hockey fan out of this entire group. I so am. I've been me. watching hockey, too, man. I watched uh, Bedard and uh, McDavid the other night. And, uh, you know, I watched my cane. McDonald's, all that Mickey <laughs> kind of stuff. But what the Miracle on me? Ice, one of the most iconic moments in sports history. In 1980, a group of college hockey players from the United States achieved the impossible. It was symbolic. It was a symbolic triumph. During the Cold War, Cold War era, the Soviet team, formidable force, won the gold medal in six of the seven previous Winter Olympics. U.S. team, young, inexperienced, nobody knows us. Odds were stacked against them. It didn't matter. In the final period with the score tied at 3-3, Mike Erzioni, I hope I didn't butcher his name too bad, scored the winning goal, took the U.S. to a 4 Three victory crowd erupted. Al Michaels got excited and said, "Do you believe in miracles?" Yes. You're talking about a movie that was a game that turned into a Disney movie. One of the greatest moments in U.S. sports history, maybe the greatest. And so for that reason, it is straight fire. Salute to the miracle on ice. Did you say maybe greatest sports movie ever? No, I said it might be one of the greatest. Sports moment. Gotcha. I thought you said movie. I was like, okay, we've yeah. had that combo before. Right. By the way, <laughs> what would it take to get Al Michaels that excited ever again in life? Man, I don't even know what it He was. said, no, I don't even want to do postseason anymore, guys. Drop NBC. The man. Well, they so said I, he's upset about that. Oh, about it leaking or him not doing it? I think they said he was upset at the fact that NBC is not going to use him. Oh, gotcha. Okay. All right, but he's interrupting my damn fire fizzle. Let's keep it going. Yeah, Al Michaels, your fizzle. I'm sorry. We're moving on. <laughs> Second to last one, NC State beating Houston, 1983. Jimmy V looking for a hug. Are you going to give it to him, Wes, or are you going to say, no, thank you, it's fizzle, I don't want you, Jimmy V? We know about it. Five slammer jammer. Hakeem, Clyde Drexler. These guys went on to NBA legendary status. Everybody thought that they were going to win the 1983 championship the year your boy was born. With the game tied at 52, less than five seconds left on the clock, the man that Kevin Keats calls the greatest passer in NC State history. Derek Wittenberg put it up in the air. Air ball shot it was. And Lorenzo Charles was there to catch it and dunk it as time expired. You know the iconic moment that was. Jim Valvano running all over the court. Super excited. NC State beating them the year your boy was brought into this earth was straight. (laughs) Fire word to Duran Duran. Hungry like the wolf. One of my favorite 80s songs. (laughs) I didn't expect it to end there. (laughs) Last one. I love Duran Duran. (laughs) Last one. 
App State beating Michigan 2007. A couple moments, really. 2007 affiliated. Fire Fizzle West watching the Mountaineers upset the Wolverines. Well, the Michigan Wolverines came into this game with the number five ranking. National title hope. But that all changed when Armani Edwards walked into the building. Big Monty is what they called him. I don't really know that, but I'm making it up. Okay. Three touchdowns later through the air. Accounted for four Mountaineer touchdowns. Dexter Jackson led the team in receiving. Three passes for 98 yards and two scores. Also had a carry for 19 yards. And App State became the first FCS team to defeat a ranked FBS team. And as a result of that game, Michigan dropped out of the top 25 poll entirely, marking the first time a team had fallen from the top five to out of the poll entirely as the result of a single game. I remember coming in from that game, working a job at Sports Authority to see my uncle laying on his bed and said that he was not going to watch college football for the rest of the season as a Michigan man that had lost to Appalachian State. I know how I feel about App, but this moment was absolutely crazy in the realm of college football upsets, maybe the greatest of all time. So what do I think about it? What does Wes Bryant have to say about App State beating Michigan? It is straight. Fizzle, what the hell you, you thought this was? You call home. yourself you the real black and gold. That offends mm. me, and I ain't giving it no credit. Get the hell out of here. Cut the music off. That was a nice little okie doke. You had me going all I over did. the place. One of the more roller coaster reactions from me <laughs> on whether you're going fire or fizzle. I was like, oh, okay, he is going to show some love. And then you said, psych, you thought you had it, but you never That's did. That's right, calling yourself the real black and gold. How dare you? Michigan Sean said, I cried that day. Didn't even know where Boone was at the time. <laughs> and That's a good one. 704 did say App State is straight fizzle as well. So they agree with you here, Wes, and that'll do it for fire or fizzle glad you guys were a little patient waiting for it west came back and he delivered the goods as always one more hour to go here on west and walker let's go to the hornets pelicans game tonight let's go star hunting shall we there are a few stars out there that could be out there on the trade market Fiddy is shaking his head he doesn't want any of them do you want any of them we'll ask you coming up next sports radio 9-